The Commentary Booth is a show for media lovers by media lovers just like you. If you want to support the show, go to pariomagazine.com.au. Welcome to the Commentary Booth, where we watch and you guessed it, commentate on the week that was in movies and TV. I'm your host and play-by-play commentator, Jamie Apps, and each week I'm typically joined by a rotating cast of colour commentators to help you find your next viewing treat. This week I'm doing something a little bit different. Today I will be joined by a very special guest. This person is a director best known for his film Lion. However, he's also the director, co-writer, and producer of a brand new film titled Foe, starring Saoirse Ronan and Paul Mezcal. Before we throw it over to our interview and conversation with Garth Davis, let me first take this time to describe his new film Foe. Garth's newest film is a sci-fi psychological thriller based on Ian Reid's 2018 novel of the same name. In this story, set in 2065, the lives of a married couple are turned upside down when a mysterious stranger arrives on the doorstep of their secluded farmhouse. Upon welcoming this stranger into their house, the couple is informed that the husband is set to be sent to live on a space station for an extended period of time. During the husband's stay on a space station, an artificial replica of himself will be left in his place with his wife. However, as the film progresses, we soon learn that there is much more to this story than meets the eye. As always, Pario Magazine stands in solidarity and support of SAG-AFTRA in their fight for better working conditions. Our publication has always been focused on the creative brilliance of these individuals rather than on the business of film and TV. As such, we will continue to highlight their creative talents during this time so that their contributions to our entertainment are not overlooked. Now, without any further ado, welcome to the show, Garth Davis. Thank you so much. So this week we're clearly doing something different with the show. Normally I would be in my own home studio, but today we're here live in person. We're going to chat about your sort of journey with film and TV and then move into discussing the film itself. Okay. Firstly, what would be your favourite movies and TV shows? Oh, that's always a hard question. Uh, I don't have anything in particular. I guess I grew up with movies like Alien, Blade Runner, so I guess I'm a lover of all of that era. Mm-hmm. I guess I got pretty involved in um, John Cassavetes uh, for performance. I love all the Italian neorealists. I don't have one particular favourite movie. I kind of have gone on a journey. And now I don't really watch a lot of movies. I guess I get my inspiration from painting okay. and, and art, I guess. How does that sort of play into the filmmaking process? I guess it's an interesting question because I always wanted to be a painter and then I kind of fell into being a filmmaker and I found a similarity that in filmmaking you find a, like a deep emotional place, which you do when you paint. And uh, I guess that's what I find with art is that it, it, just one image can mean so many things. And um, I guess that's a parallel. It's something that you can't describe. Like film should be two things come together to create something that's not there. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's, 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 it's a kind of an alchemy uh, of sorts. And that's how I find painting and, and, and visual art. Okay. And you mentioned Blade Runner. I think that comes through... Info yeah. as well, yes, quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. I guess I love movies that have vision um, and also character-driven pieces. 
you know, we really feel the performance coming through. So, yeah, I've always been drawn to actors um, and performances is something that's always driven me. And I think the performances in this movie, they're some of the strongest elements of the film, especially because there's really only three main actors that we see on screen. How was that process of working with the three actors and getting those performances out of them? Uh, that was one of the reasons why I was really attracted to the material because it was about the actors and, and about the high stakes situations that we were exploring. And I guess that's what really excited me. Nothing makes me happier than working with actors on something super ambitious and, and witnessing their choices in front of the camera. So I, I find it a very, you can determine things to a certain point, but it's kind of undetermined, you know, so if you're doing the right thing for me, it's like you're witnessing something on the day and it's very exciting. So I find that really, really, really beautiful. And actors are incredible people, you know, I don't know how they do it, but they literally become these characters and they access all this emotion and, and, and thought and all these kind of beautiful human aspects kind of come, come out in front of the lens. So I, I just think they're the most fascinating aspect for me, particularly with Foe. Um, it was very exciting because it had the story you think you're, the story that you think you're watching and then the story that's really happening. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I guess the play between those two, um, in terms of how we performed it, acted it and covered it was, was, was a real fun thing to craft. And then in terms of Foe, because it is based on a book, when did you sort of first come across this story and what was it that made you want to develop it further into a film? Yeah, somebody suggested I should read the book and I did and I pretty much fell in love with it straight away. I mean, at first I was taken by how visual it was. I felt like I'd entered an old movie, you know, like Stranger Arriving in the Night, coming in, interrupting this marriage. So I, I guess I was really with it visually. I was really watching the movie in my mind when I was reading the book. But then it just took this incredible U-turn and the mystery uh, surrounding this stranger in the night went away. And I was actually, the real mystery was this relationship and why uh, the wife of that relationship, Hen, was, was behaving in such erratic ways. And so I just got completely compelled in a way that I don't think I have been in a while. Um, and then I went down that rabbit hole of the story and you, you can't believe where you go. And, um, but I, ultimately I fell in love with this couple, this love story, and, and also what Hen was fighting for. And, you know, she really understood the preciousness of time, how important our time is here. And, and she really wanted to feel agency again and feel, feel alive and live a life, which I really related to. Okay. So on that front, what would you describe the film as to sort of people that may have only seen the trailer or only seen the poster in the cinema? I guess it's, um, I would just say it's a relationship story set in the near future, as opposed to a dystopian sci-fi thriller. <laughs> it really isn't that. Um, and um, I guess just really encourage people to watch it because it is so rich. There's so much to get from it. You know, you could talk about it for hours. Yeah, well, I wrote down, I was writing down uh, themes as I was watching it and I came up with a lot. I was shocked by yep. how much was in there, sort of I picked up some climate change elements, a yep. bit of like AI and sort of the tech boom that we're in at the moment, yep. government controlled corporations, yep. factory farming. I thought that was an interesting element to have sort of in there yep. as well. And then obviously the love and the mental health aspects. Was it difficult to weave all of those in and still sort of tell a coherent story? Yeah. I mean, I think even though all that sounds complicated, it is very simple. It is, as you, it's very focused on the relationship in this isolated farmhouse. And I guess it, it looks at a relationship that has, it's a loving relationship. Like they're, they're soulful together. They're like soulmates in many ways, but over time they're just taking each other for granted and, and they've kind of grown apart. 
and, and I guess that really interested me because most relationships in movies are, have a defining event like an affair or a tragedy or something where this is just something more relatable I think to everyday people so I found that fascinating I guess the near future thing I guess the the state of this marriage is reflected metaphorically in the environment mm -hmm. and when we take each other for granted we lose the preciousness of, of that relationship and it's the same with the planet you know when we take for granted the nature we lose it as well and, it, and it's one and the same thing take anything for granted that's precious you lose it and and i guess that's at the heart of, of it all i guess if you fast forward into the future like we're like 30 years into the future in, in this story um i guess uh the choices we made we feel are pretty believable and forecasted you know relatively so i mean it's a sad fact to think that we're spending all this money to try and live off earth mm -hmm. um, when we should just be saving the very thing here yep um so i guess that's very sad and yes mega industries big corporations taking over everything all of that in a way creates a ticking clock on the story it, it reminds us of our mortality and the fleeting nature of our lives so hopefully by making it feel very imminent and and close to audiences hopefully when they watch this movie they go "Fuck, this feels kind of relevant and and hopefully it it, it just makes people reflect am i living the life i want to live and and um, am i taking care in those in all of my choices so i guess it was all designed to kind of make this story not feel far away but it's kind of relevant today and was the ai and tech sort of element was that an important part for you to involve as well i, I guess i guess what was what i really loved about the ai in this story it's not a story about ai but what i loved about the ai aspect was it allowed us to explore this relationship in a really exciting way in a way you couldn't ordinarily so she has the opportunity to have a relationship with a version of her husband like when they first met mm -hmm. and so it was it's just kind of a really cool concept I really love that. So she's not having a relationship with a stranger. She's having a relationship with her husband, you know, before he kind of closed down emotionally. Um, so I found that a really fascinating idea and a really beautiful use of AI as a device. I guess all of the broader themes that kind of bubble up, are not necessarily designed, I guess that's what's great about film is you're telling the story and through the richness of that, these themes start to surface in the making of it. And um, there's lots of things that I'm reflecting on now, even having made it, when I watch it, I... I pick up different things that come through the AI aspect. I guess one of the things that I noticed just recently was how the AI in our movie are, are kind of fascinated by the Beatles. Mm -hmm. They have this um, unbelievable curiosity. And um, and I thought about that a little bit and um, it, it reminded me of Buddhism in some ways. Like all of us, are, when we're born, we see the wonder of the world. If you look at kids, they're just drawn to everything. Yep. You know, the beauty of everything, it's alive and tangible. But our, over time, we we, we just forget to see it, at, you know, we forget to see it. We become blind to its beauty and its miraculousness. Suddenly we're just in our minds and our iPhones and in this kind of virtual world, trying to create something like that, but in a virtual place, it's kind of ridiculous. We've forgotten, we've lost our curiosity. We've lost our ability to see what is miraculous right in front of us. So I guess that's what I found really powerful in those Beatle moments was the AI has that sense of curiosity and magic we've lost. Yeah, and I think that also then reflects in the, their relationship as exactly. well. They're losing exactly. losing the focus on the thing that they actually loved. Exactly. And another thing that I really enjoyed was you didn't just reflect those uh, climate change issues through the story. It was also through the, the cinematography as well. We had the beautiful landscapes of, was it South Australia? All of those were filmed in? Uh, yeah, the house was, um, the, we built the house at the Winter Wetlands in, in Victoria. Um, and then, yes, the, the broader landscapes are in South Australia. Yeah, so we had those those beautiful landscapes and then the dichotomy with the sort of run-down 
man-made structures. I thought that was a really interesting dynamic to bring into the film as well. Yeah, I mean, we, we definitely saw the, you know, Junior is, um, this is Junior's family farm. It's like fifth or sixth generation, I think, in, in what you say in the story. So he's a custodian to that and, and trying to keep the lineage going. And in a way, it's, um, it's like he's holding on to the past and it's kind of dying, like they don't farm anymore. I mean, these are issues that are facing similar families, even in Australia, these generational farms. And this responsibility they feel to keep it going, you know, for all of their ancestors, mm -hmm. um, they feel that responsibility. But at what point do you pull up stumps and move on, you know? Um, and I guess Junior feels that he has to hold on to it and it becomes a bit of like a house of ghosts, you know, like it's all the memories and things we hold on to. So the nostalgia is a, a big, important part of the story. Um, and also Han is the, the next woman in line of the patriarchal cycle. And, um, you know, I think it's uh, very interesting. So when we move outside of that, um, really wanted the earth to be represented almost as a character as well. And, and I wanted to feel the earth bleeding. I wanted to feel the earth suffering and in a way start to see it like Mars, start to see it shape-shifting into something that isn't full of life anymore because, you know, it's, it's, it's happening. And then we get the, the rain storm at the end. Is that kind of the, the earth like crying the what has happened? Yeah, I guess the rain was a device that represented their relationship. So there's a little memory in the movie where you see them get married in the rain. Mm -hmm. So like back when they were happy together, there was rain and then the whole movie's about it hasn't rained. And then when it does rain, in a way, it's a very important part of the story where in a way the universe is giving Junior a second chance to kind of stop being an idiot and um, I guess reconnect with his wife. Um, so yeah, the, the rain is the universe's way of kind of intervening in a way and, and trying to change the course of, the, of, their, of their journey. Uh, and then sort of my last note that I made on the film was the, this is a spoiler for people that haven't watched it, the twist at the end. How important was it to make sure that that twist was shocking and not easily predicted? Uh, I mean, it's all there to be predicted, um, but I just, I guess I, would, I just was quite amazed how audiences get so swept up in, in the story and they, and they don't see it. So yeah, look, and every audience member is different, you know, like some people can get things earlier rather later. So I guess it was important to note that the reveal, this movie isn't about a reveal. The reveal is important because it answers a lot of questions for people. But we just had to make sure that it was rich enough that the movie was much more than that. Like there's still a whole other act to go after that reveal. I guess what I was hoping is that people, the audience get to discover it rather than us telling you what's happening. So I love the way we constructed the scenes. It's a bit confronting, like you do have to work hard at it. You're kind of confused, but you put it all together. And there's that, you know, I'd always love that in the movie when that satisfaction of working it out, you know. Um, so I think we try to construct it in that way. So that way it was more emotionally felt, I think, as well. And it's also in line with Junior's realisation that he's not real. Mm -hmm. You know, like it, he's putting the pieces together himself, as is the audience, and you kind of almost come together at the same point. So, yeah, it was definitely a challenge, definitely a challenge, but a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I adored that reveal. I didn't see it coming. Like I've seen a few other films recently, like, the biggest one was Saw X, mm -hmm. and I felt their twist reveal was yeah. very predictable from the yeah. outset, whether that was having seen all the Saw films previously. Yeah. But this one I didn't see coming, but I thought it really sort of changed the entire dynamic of what we'd already seen and oh, what was to come. Everything. So, yeah, very well done. Well, oh, good. Congratulations on that. That's good. <laughs> Happy with that. So, yeah, sort of thank you for joining me on the show. Uh, why don't you sort of go ahead and let our audience know where the best place is to 
follow you, track your creative journey, and support the film? Oh, uh, I don't have any social media, so. <laughs> Look, I guess, um, you know, it'd just be great for everyone to go and see it in the cinema while it's in the cinema, because it is really a cinematic experience. And even go see it twice. Mm -hmm. It's like two movies in one. Yeah, I think you would get a lot from seeing it a second time, having seen the reveal. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun watch the second watch. And, you know, I just wanted to say that on behalf of the actors, I know that they really wish they could be out here promoting the film and um, just wanted to shout out for them that how passionate they are about the work that they've done here and, and hopefully soon when the strike's finished they can, um, you know, start speaking to, to their ideas and to their thoughts about the characters and the film itself. So, yeah, that, that'll come soon, so excited for that. Yeah, that's something we've been very vocal and supportive of on this show yeah. in terms of supporting the writers and the, the actors because, yeah, it's been tough for a lot of people, I think, yeah. seeing their movies perhaps not do as well as they could because they haven't been able to promote them at all. I know, it's, um, it's sad. But anyway, their work is going to exist forever on the film and that's the main thing. And I guess that's made, made your life very busy of recent yeah, times. Yeah, I know, it's, it's hilarious. Right, awesome. Thanks, I, think, I think that's everything. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to The Commentary Booth. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate, review and subscribe on podcast services and on YouTube. You can follow me on social media at Jamie Media and at Paria Magazine. The Commentary Booth is a fan-funded production of Jamie Apps Media. You can support the podcast alongside our magazine, Pario Magazine, on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Media. The following people supported at the community support group level or higher, and you cannot fathom how incredibly appreciative we are for their support. Brian and June Hart, Blake Robinson, Rena Renee, Courtney Paulson, Darren Hatcliffe, Jackson Carr, and Tracy Apps.